Perspective is foreshortened. The dimensions of a mass population are reduced to those of a society, no larger than the Dunbar number, as I say, 150. The millions about whom, or to whom, the information is made available are shrunk to the size of an audience in a studio or lecture theatre, so think about the size of this um, conference, really, or a few case studies of handled victims, just as it amused me that the multifarious activities of the human race over 24 hours are shrunk to a few inches of headline. People know the us through the media, uh, but not, not necessarily what are called celebrities, are people we all, the millions of us, who are linked to the mutual mass and ignorance of the state or the economy, know as if they were prominent members of our society. We can therefore imagine ourselves in relation to them that are not the unconscious economic and political relations we normally have with people, physically and causally, so distant from us. So what he's saying is that newspapers and other media help to shape a group, they help to shape um, a sense of society, they help to shape our sense of ourselves as being part of the community. And each newspaper does that in its own way. And it used to be in the days when print media um, was genuinely um, cross-generational, that, um, that your newspaper is, um, was um, a means of uh, indicating um, your worldview. So we've got the Daily Mail Review, we've got the Guardian Reader, uh, we've got the Financial Times Reader. Um, this is less the case now because um, so few people have been able to find actually um, do print um, or engage with the newspapers. But um, formerly it was a sort of signifier of, um, of where you stood. And in the case of the economist, it's one of the few things that people actually carry um, as much as read. Mm -hmm. One of the bad things about Kindle, um, in this and so much else, is that um, you can't actually see from what the academic eyes can actually see. So um, the virtual you're intended to do by reading the garden doesn't actually apparent to the rest of your tube carriage. Um, in the case of the economist, you can't afford to make this, so you carry it to show that you want that tube there. Um, there's a select group of people for whom this companion would be. Now, this function of society that uh, newspapers try to um, affect um, it was touched on by, of all people, Mark Zuckerberg in uh, a speech last week. Uh, he got a lot of um, attention for saying that he wanted Facebook to be the equivalent of church. That is to say, he wanted uh, Facebook groups on, um, on, uh, online to go offline. He wanted Facebook groups actually to meet. He wanted people to have physical engagements with each other in order to encounter other people, other expressions of identity, what, no, what most of us would call normal social intercourse. in this world, a new and exciting phenomenon. And actually, um, as a Catholic, I was um, irritated beyond measure that he was taking upon himself to do with Facebook, what um, parishes and the church have done forever, that bring people together and make them feel part of um, community that cares about you, and the pastoral functions that he also advertised are already been done by people called priests, but um, <laughs> already pastors of the evangelical. And so um, he was, um, in a way, trying um, a rather sweet sort of way to recreate what's there. But one of the things he also talked about was um, Facebook helping through these online groups known as human society, face-to-face um, <laughs> -face encounters. Um, through these offline groups, he hoped to be able to uh, enable people to encounter views different from their own. Um, this um, is familiar to um, any newspaper reader or indeed any um, kind of role person um, as um, engaging with kind of other people. Online, you um, have the capacity not to be challenged, 
famously are in a kind of echo chamber whereby you follow people whose views you, just, uh, you agree with and they um, sort of follow you and it becomes a sort of um, secular reinforcement of your um, uh, of your existing beliefs. And so um, the possibility of doing what you do routinely with any paper, a finding of you, even if it's um, kind of uh, concisely put, that you actually disagree with or that challenges your worldview is less likely to happen um, through the internet. It's one of the most um, problematic things about it, and um, one of the things that's helped shape the uh, mentality of the non-newspaper reading uh, generation, um, that is say, pretty well anybody under 35. So um, what poor little Mark Zuckerberg wants to do is enable us to encounter views that are different from our own by meeting real people. And uh, for newspapers, we've been doing this quite a lot all along. That is to say that any newspaper will have um, a diversity of um, news items and a diversity of views, well, within limit. I mean, you're not going to find your view to challenge to part of the mail, but you will encounter uh, that view expressed even if it's only to contradict it. So uh, you do encounter the possibility of um, somebody having the temerity to disagree with you, which is one of the functions of um, um, a social animal. Now, as I say, newspapers are under threat. We're all under threat. Um, the standard shifts about 100,000 copies a day, which translates into between 1.6 to 2 readers, depending on who you talk to. And um, the, the, our profile is quite different from that of most other papers. The Telegraph, with apologies to Christopher Howes, who may be here, um, uh, has a, a readership which is um, disproportionately old. And um, the, the, that's the case with um, pretty well um, all people who purchase um, print paper. Um, they're uh, more likely to be older than, than, than younger. And so um, you have got a problem that people are consuming news, obviously, um, online, quite, and it's, it's consumed immediately. So whereas we used to have sort of three or four editions, um, now we've got two. So um, the problem for newspapers is um, that their online version of themselves is competing with other um, online news agencies, and also their online version of themselves is competing with their, their print version of themselves. Um, but the problem is uh, that uh, news is out there. The function of the newspaper is being famously um, undertaken by, um, by other media um, in terms of the internet, not always satisfactorily, and the bar is at very, very low in terms of um, much of the output, but that it happens to be now where a lot of people get their news. So for newspapers, you have the problem of trying to market yourself in a way other than the straightforward business of uh, transmitting um, what's happening, what's going on. We still continue to do that. Um, papers are where you go when you want to find out what, what's going on, but um, it may be that um, there are other more immediate ways of doing it um, uh, during the course of the day. So what a paper will be trying to do now is trying to give itself an enhanced brand identity. That is to say, if we're going through focus groups, it'll be going through a process of self scrutiny to decide what differentiates itself from other people so that you can try and um, give yourself a competitive advantage over the other forms of news provision um, in the market. Now, the Senate did that a while ago, and I imagine that it was typical of quite a lot of um, other papers. So we established that um, very uh, young, comparatively young readerships um, by comparison with most other papers, um, very diverse, um, multi-ethnic, and to say that is simply to say that it's a London paper, because London as a whole is younger and more ethnically diverse um, than 
than most others, uh, most other cities. Um, so the onus then was to um, ensure that the paper reflected the values of that leadership, um, even to a greater extent than before. So, um, but the, the editor has already um, um, a market commitment uh, to social liberalism, and so that's always been sort of part of, uh, of the package for that quality paper. So, social liberalism, we have inclusiveness, we've got diversity, we've got tolerance. These are all elements of values that go with the paper. As I say, um, we've always had values, we've always had aspects of our identity. Um, which predominate. So those of um, the independent as well as um, that were very different from those of, um, uh, of the Financial Times, for instance. And so we've always had an element of, um, uh, of brand identity in the, um, in what, uh, in, in the newspaper, but it's become more pronounced, I feel, because um, of big of um, competition on the sheer news front. So the assertion of values is part of what we're up to. So the, the, um, the, the way that we function is, to some extent, a secular pulpit. And I think um, that that's going to be true of others as well. There will be ways of transmitting those values and um, that um, aspect of ourselves that we want to project, um, um, uh, which will be very marked in leaders, and it will also be carried across the people in things like features. <coughs> so um, those values are now going to be transmitted in what news items you take up, what new time, uh, news items you don't take up, what features you're going to accentuate, what features you don't. So today we're going to have an op-ed in my absence by a lesbian on um, Gay Pride Day, and um, that's going to be carried through on the, um, on the feature side with items on the uh, Gay Pride March, because kind of gender fluidity um, is um, very much part of the of the brand and part of those um, values that the people are seeking to promulgate. Um, there are other ways in which a paper does resemble a pulpit and in which it makes sounds. Um, I mean, obviously, we've always done that through our editorials, our leaders, and um, in a sense, the tone of the paper uh, picks that up. So if the sermonising is done um, through the, uh, the leader of the editorial, then the diction uh, of the paper, the things that it um, will emphasise, will carry, that, will carry that through. But there's also some of the social functions of religion that have been undertaken uh, by newspapers. So the standards had um, come with other papers, a series of campaigns to reflect its, um, its values. So we've had an ongoing campaign for the dispossessed of London, people who are um, marginalised in some way or other, many of them ethnic minorities, um, some of them, some refugees, families, people kind of on the Martin Society, um, we raised money for them and done a series of features seeking to highlight that particular um, aspects of, um, of dispossession and aspects of marginalisation. <coughs> so that's all fine and dandy. The Daily Mail does something um, uh, in a similar way, it's campaign dignity for the elderly. It has designed itself to transmit a particular set of values, uh, not just the demographic of readers, but also um, its own particular values of compassion. So um, the campaigning aspect of uh, newspapers does replicate in some ways some of the social functions of, of the church in that um, it, it's kind of philanthropic, it's consciousness raising, and it's uh, relatively benign. And, and then we have another aspect of the church in that there's um, the, the church collection. We've been 
fundraising, for instance, for the victims of Grenfell um, Tower Fire. And that's raised, uh, once you sort of get their corporate sponsors, about um, uh, nine million pounds, sorry, five million pounds, which is um, quite a, a considerable share of the total 15 million that's been raised overall so far. Um, so that, in a way, replicates the church collection fleet. So we've got, um, in some ways, um, some of the functions of the church being appropriated um, or inherited by papers and by the media. That is to say, the um, sermonizing and the, um, uh, the mission, that is to say, the campaigns, and the um, collection fleet, the fundraising. And we also, as uh, collectively as papers, have um, some of the functions of the Inquisition as well, which is the less happy aspect of contemporary um, media torture, and we'll get onto that um, in just a second. So I'm not going to keep me long, I'm not going to go with and chat, so I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll try and be as quick as I can. Um, but in the worldview that we're putting across um, as a paper, and as papers in general, is where Catholicism fits in, or indeed where Christianity fits in. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a spiritual picture. Um, there's very little space given over to church of things. I mean, uh, Christopher can tell you more about the Telegraph, but uh, that's one of the few papers with the natural religious affairs correspondent. Uh, we forget to left the Times, and they never took the trouble really to properly to replace her. Um, that the things like the appointment of bishops is not going to get um, to be made news unless there's some kind of quirky aspect to it. Like, is the next Archbishop of Canterbury going to be a woman or black or gay or whatever? So that's um, the way in which kind of churchy things kind of impinge on the secular agenda, or rather, the secular agenda frames the way that um, readers are encouraged to, uh, to see it. There's no equivalent <coughs> in the contemporary British press of that nice little column you get in the Irish Times, which is um, not just a secular paper, it's an anti-clerical paper now the Irish Times, which has still got this relic of the past era with Methodist notes and, and church bargain notes on the inside of, um, of the paper on page two. There is no equivalent of that now in terms of the actual internal business of the church being um, of interest to other people. So um, the, the um, actual business of church, the day-to-day running of the church, is only going to um, register on the radar when it, as I say, it either reflects or conflicts with um, the secular values that papers are trying to promulgate. Now, the obvious um, point at which the church stands at an angle to society um, is in terms of its um, kind of moral teaching on the questions of um, uh, homosexuality and um, abortion, or as it's known nowadays as reproductive rights. Um, the, um, the, the, the difficulties there are, are very characteristic of the here. I mean, um, you're all familiar with the problems that Tim Farron encountered simply by articulating um, Christian views, and that was subjected to um, relentless interrogation on the part of um, all the people who interviewed him. It became a kind of um, derivating sort of get Tim Farron to say whether he thinks um, homosexuality is a sin. And um, it's um, immensely tedious. And it's immensely uh, frustrating for um, anybody who's conscious of the of what the church is about. But if you're a very secular reader and counting the church only uh, through papers and the media, um, what you're going to get, uh, what you're going to encounter it very largely um, in terms of antagonistic um, treatment of the um, church's approach to these questions of um, gay <coughs> uh, marriage or equal marriage, as the loaded term is, or and um, abortion, as in um, uh, uh, 
the DUP deal, for instance, was seen initially almost entirely in terms of um, these filthy Ulster bigots being there. Um, hideously conservative views to bear upon the enlightened um, British culture uh, with um, gay marriage and, and abortion. And the uh, way that um, the uh, Commons dealt with it, Sarah Creasy um, brought in the uh, measure whereby the NHS England is paying for abortions, that um, was um, projected in entirely positive terms as being um, the women's agenda being uh, imposed on these uh, blink clericalists. Um, it is very odd to have this kind of um, overlap between the um, moral agenda of the Catholic Church and the DUP when you think of um, uh, the very recent history, but that's um, the, where we are at that particular moment. Uh, there's other aspects in which this, um, the, the moral issues are problematic. Um, the gender fluid kind of intersects things. That's um, another area of contention where um, there can conceivably be, be um, a, a radical difference between um, the contemporary narrative and the way that the church would see these things. Um, there are some old style ways of, ways of looking at the church, though, in terms of scandal. I was rather heartened rather than otherwise the other day when on the news list I found that um, we had a story about a big bigger fleecing his congregation, I mean, making from the collection in order to pay for his life advice um, in a bordello. There was something um, about reassuring old fashioned news values and that. Now, 
by way of um, reinforcing the sense of um, all being in this together and the sense of um, intercommunal um, harmony. Um, by contrast, the treatment of this land is um, pretty benign given the circumstances. I mean, um, in my own paper, the editor was um, the war Muslims um, on the staff and war Muslims among the commentators to give that invaluable sense of um, uh, diversity and inclusiveness, um, which everybody aspires to. And indeed, given the demographics of London, where I would have thought the official figure of 25% Muslims is probably an underestimate, when parts of London it's kind of um, at least 90% in boroughs like Tower Hamlets, and that's the case for at least three London boroughs. So in a way, um, in terms of religious coverage, um, I think we can expect to see a good deal more coverage of um, Islam at the time that um, coverage of um, the Christian churches is in decline. That, as I say, is a, a reflection of a demographic reality. Now, the final area in which um, Christianity uh, surfaces is in the um, two festivals that infringe on secular consciousness, and they're obviously Christmas and Easter. So, um, East, uh, Christmas has been comprehensively hijacked, as um, everybody knows, by the secular culture. But um, in between all the rest of these work, it kind of found the perfect charm and um, kind of the perfect cinnamon um, center candle um, and um, watch them run down to lunch. You may have space um, somewhere for um, the Christmas message. Uh, it's not guaranteed, you're not necessarily going to have it, but there will be something there about goodwill um, and, um, uh, and peace on earth. You may have a sort of news item from Bethlehem. In the case of the standard, I don't make uh, quite sure that you um, have um, a bishop or um, a member of the clergy or somebody talking about um, the, the actual nature of the beast. And um, it's not necessarily going to be the case this editor, I don't know. But um, uh, for Christmas, I've um, tried to make sure that we do get somebody in to talk about what the community is about. And um, meanwhile, the, um, the, the news stories may or may not um, reflect um, that what folk is doing um, for the Urbiet Robbie. They'll ruthlessly excise the Christian bits of the Corcoran's speech. Um, because when she makes her address to the Commonwealth, there will always be something there in the capacity of the church movement, and it will be always taken out. Uh, I, I, I guarantee it. Um, then the Archbishop of Canterbury may feature in terms of um, the Christmas address as well. In Easter, to a lesser extent, um, you'll get something about um, the visual images from Good Friday, the, um, the, 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 uh, the processions of crucifixes, the mystery plays, perhaps, like the one being played out in Trafalgar Square in London, or you have um, um, perhaps something from um, Jerusalem, the, the way of the cross there. Uh, visually, Easter plays quite well. You have got um, a powerful visual image for, um, for Easter Friday, and then you have the Orbe to Orbe message, which again um, is strikingly um, visual in the syntax. And so um, that's the other time at which you're likely to get um, this, uh, some coverage of Christianity in the, um, in the mainstream media. Um, the great exception to all the um, this is um, Pope Francis. Pope Francis um, has somehow got on the radar by dint of um, the extraordinary circumstance that he's become something of a celebrity in his own right. Um, and um, how it's happened, um, I mean, we all have our own views on But uh, the fact is that uh, he's up there um, as being a, a benign celebrity um, in the way that his predecessor, for instance, um, simply wasn't. So um, he has managed to bring to the institution of the church, which doesn't rate everything favorably in the secular media, 
something of the, uh, the stardust of, um, of celebrity by virtue of the fact that um, famous people want to be seen with them. You see this enhancing the stage of um, Lipa, the singer, or Rita Ora, uh, by virtue of them singing for him rather than them that, rather than being the other way around. So um, the Francis effect, I think, is the one area in which the general trend of um, the secular narrative and secular media um, is reversed, and I don't know how that's going to last. So the position of overt religion in um, the media and in the papers, in my own paper, is um, uh, is pretty thin. It's um, kind of largely negative, and to the extent that it's um, that um, that's um, not negative, um, it's uh, linked to the position of the Pope and. Um, uh, one hopes we'll be with us for a very long time, but it's not something that one can guarantee. So, for journalists who are Catholics, um, and I'm not here obviously talking about the Catholic press, which is uh, a very different beast and we're all familiar with it, but um, for journalists who are Catholics and Catholics who are journalists, um, what you've got instead is the phenomenon, um, as with every walk of life, of infused religion. So, instead of, um, well, in every calling, it's going to be the case, um, uh, unless we're actually a priest, in which case um, the two combine. Uh, but um, what you say, what you do, how you approach um, a subject, um, and um, how you deal with the prominence you give to an issue, uh, that would be informed by the set of values that you've admired by virtue of being formed as a Catholic. So, for instance, the um, enormous coverage that was given to the case of Charlie Gard um, in connection with Pope Francis. Um, does owe something to some editor's notion that uh, the concept of every human life being precious um, that really does count for something. And um, in my case, um, I tried um, mostly unsuccessfully to get some, some coverage um, of the genocide of the Yazidis um, on the pure and simple basis that as a Catholic one believes that, um, that it's hateful and it's wrong. It shouldn't have happened, it's a sin, and um, we shouldn't try to address it. Um, so, it's not a specifically religious issue in, as, it's, as it would normally be seen, but um, it's one of the things that would like one would um, try to give prominence to by virtue of um, being Catholic. Christopher uh, will, uh, in all his writing, bring um, the element of the religion by virtue of um, his terms of reference, being, um, including um, clerics, including Catholics, including a sort of religious sensibility. And really, it's that religious sensibility that one can bring to journalism in a way that's not about, not preachy, for there's none of the functions of the church. It's simply bound up uh, with who you are by virtue of being a Catholic. And at the moment, I think that's probably the best that we can do. If you've got any questions, please, um, uh, please do share. Because, um, <laughs>